If you want to sit there with your eyes closed, I will assume you're meeting with God rather than falling asleep. If you want to put your hands in the air, it's sort of that. You, you just feel free to go for it. As you'll have picked up, we've swapped stuff around a little bit. Um, just, just that song, that really long song we sang, you know, billions of galaxies and God's love expressed and stuff like that. Just so powerful. Just a demonstration of God in creation, but then in our redemption as well. Just, just amazing to catch a fresh glimpse of who God is and what he's done. And you get to see something of his bigness and it slightly, I don't know about you, but it's sort of just, I was, you know, impacted as I was singing that out and just listening, thinking, wow, God, and you love me. You love me. It's, it's incredible, to be honest. It's, it's amazing. Um, this is, as uh, Paul said, this is the opportunity in the year where normally um, I will stand up and I'll sort of share a little bit about where we've got to so far and where we're looking to head in the future. Um, and I've probably over the last three weeks spent time thinking and praying about it and uh, looking to put something together. I just feel, if I'm honest, I just feel to mix it up a little bit, um, particularly on the back of what Dave shared. So we're going to read a passage out of Ephesians chapter 2 together. It's not going to come up on the screen because I hadn't intended on doing it until about 10 minutes ago. So um, we, we will just sort of see where it goes. But we're going to read Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 10. And I've got one very simple point on the back of it. But I think it will set by way of introduction the stuff I'll then go on and share um, after it. So while you're looking for Ephesians uh, chapter 2, I just pray, oh Lord God, we thank you that you're here. And uh, I pray for the anoint, your anointing to be upon me that I communicate really well. I, I do ask for that, Lord God, that uh, even if my words are jumbled and my thoughts are unclear, I pray, Lord, that you'd really help uh, me to communicate well. And uh, I, I ask you, Lord God, that this would be a wonderful time together for us as a family, uh, as church, Lord, as we just take this moment in, in busy lives just to remember your faithfulness, which grows our faith, but look to the future that stirs us with uh, fresh adventure in you. And I ask for your grace to do that. Dave spoke about identity. And uh, really, really, when it gets down to it, if you've got a biblical mindset, there's only two identities that count. There are only two. The Bible is very clear from start to finish that your identity relates just to one particular thing and it relates to who you know. Your identity relates to who you know. It relates to whether you know him or whether you don't know him. And if you don't know him, you have one identity and you are in one place, one position. There may be different sort of expressions of it, but in the end... You're in one place. But if you know this person, all that old identity comes very much second place in comparison to this new identity that you get. And it's all defined by this one person that you know. It doesn't matter um, what nation you come from. It doesn't matter what your educational background is. It doesn't matter on your gender. It doesn't matter on your sexual orientation. It doesn't matter whether you're a person with great ambition or whether you are just so full of hopelessness 
All of those things in the end all get grouped together and you are in, in one place, dependent on this person, whether you know him or whether you don't know him. But if you do know him, all of those things may still be true, but you are then redefined because you have a new identity in this person and it changes everything because everything else becomes secondary. The Apostle Paul said it before. He says, it doesn't matter whether you are male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile, none of those things matter anymore if you know this new person. Now for us, we've got new categories We've got new ways of defining, but in the end, the same principle works now as it did then because it all relates to who you know. And I think for us as a community of people, we've got to be so clear on that, we've got to understand that. But there might be some of you here today and you don't know this person I'm talking about. And so what I'm about to share with you is so very, very, very important because it has the potential to define everything about you and has massive significance for your long-term future, where you end up and what happens to you. And so the next five, ten minutes just reading this passage, I just, I ask Holy Spirit, would you help me, God, to communicate this well. And I pray for us who, because some of you already have an idea where I'm going on this. You know, you're a well-taught people. But, but it's massive, and we can become so familiar with this stuff that, that in the end we sort of push it to a side part in our lives and we think, all oh, the action is over here. You know, what about my job? What about my family? What about my work? And we relegate knowing this person to a side issue as though it hasn't really any relevance to that, whereas actually this is the most important thing. Most important thing. This is what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Ephesus. Before you came to know this person, and it's, it's, it's dramatic, it's frightening. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which, you used, in, in, in which you once walked. You were dead. Identity, I, I'm, I'm spiritually dead. I may be walking around physically, but I am dead on the inside. There is no life going on in there. Following the course of this world following the prince and the power of air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's basically saying the devil. So though you may not have been following him directly, you were sort of following that course uh, that he had laid out. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, basically just getting on and doing the stuff we wanted to do in selfishness, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind you see if you don't know this person you live under the judgment of God the Bible says elsewhere that you live as an enemy of God that you've been alienated that you are separated that there is a chasm a gap between you and God and nothing you can do or anyone else can do can narrow that chasm or get you from one side to the other. You are, you, you, you are identified, your identity is defined by not knowing who God is. And every single person on the face of the planet is born into that position. They don't know who God is. They do not know. doesn't matter if you are born next to a church building or next to a mosque. You're born under the wrath of God. But then it goes on and it says in chapter 2, 
verse 4. But God, the one we've been singing about this morning, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The most important thing is who you know. And the most important person you need to know is Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And it changes everything. Changes your identity. Anything that you identified yourself by before is, is, if I can say, is secondary. That's why the waters of baptism talk about there being a death. It comes, it comes second place because you're raised to new life in Jesus. He now identifies who you are. Everything is different. We have a hope for the future. We have forgiveness of sins. We have hope. We are, we are born again into a living hope. So for the hopeless here today, if you know Jesus, you've been born again into a living hope and it says nothing can separate you from it. You've been raised up, seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where I am now. If I can be so bold, you're not looking as happy, as excited as I'm feeling. But I think the joy's on the inside because, you know, a lot of us are British. But, but, but this, this is important stuff. Thank you, Judy. It's good. It is wonderful. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us. I mean, imagine that. The immeasurable riches of God's grace is being shown in you. Not, not in your neighbor, not in the person next to you. Not, not in the Pope or, or some big apostolic figure. In you. In, in our brokenness and in our imperfection and in the mistakes that we make, in our ill health, in the circumstances that aren't working right, his immeasurable grace is available and being poured in to you and me. That's, that's why we lift our hands. That's why we jump up and down. That's why we get excited in worship. Not because it's some atmosphere, but because the one we're worshipping is worthy of it because of what he's done for us and who he is. And, 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 and it's different. If you know Jesus Christ, you've been transferred from darkness to light, from death to life, from hopelessness to hope, from insecurity to total security. Because even if you lose this life, you will not lose the love of God. He promises good for you and never harm. And even if you're looking at your circumstances thinking, I can't see God's goodness in. No, but he is good. And he promises goodness for you. And he will never let you go. Never let you go. And this is not your own doing. God, never was a truer word said, eh? This is not your own doing. Say to the person next to you, it's not your own doing. <laughs> this is not your own doing. I can't find my place in the Bible. 
My other problem, if I'm making a confession here, is I can't actually read it very well because my eyesight's going. But I'm too proud to go and get an eye test done. But anyway. (laughs) For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is not your own doing. I still can't find it. (laughs) It is a gift of God, not a result of works. We are his workmanship. Who am I? Who am I? I am the workmanship of God. And he loves me. It's not my marriage to Chloe that first defines me. It's not the being the dad of four amazing boys that defines me. It's not me being a church pastor that defines me. I am the workmanship of God and I am loved by him. Now you can put your own things in that list. But it's a battle to get what we know on that page into our hearts. Doesn't happen automatically. Sometimes I guess in his grace he just gives revelation. But often is the case, if I'm honest. This morning before I come to church, before I'm about to deliver this preach, I am battling with all sorts of different insecurities and thoughts flying into my head how I'd much rather stay and watch the cricket (laughs) because of fear and other stuff like that but I take every thought captive, I make it obedient to Christ because my identity is new and different and I want my reality to line up with now who I am and so I fight. I fight with faith and that's what you need to do too. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and that is true for every single one of us you have got, you've got good works to walk in this week, you have God's lined them up he's just saying now walk in them the conversation with your neighbour who doesn't know anything about Jesus but you do and he's positioned you there so you can be salt and light in that situation That prayer meeting that you're going to come and join us with this week. And you, along with the saints, you're going to lift up your hands in prayer and you're going to cry out for the living God to move. That's the good works that God has got you to walk in. Maybe it's you as a headmaster in the school and you're working through a whole load of different stuff, but you do it in a way that brings honour and glory to Jesus as you, you express kindness and love and compassion. They're the good works that God has got you to live out, to walk out. That, that, that child that, that, that you absolutely love, your ch- but, but at the moment they're just a little bit of a pain. But you're, you're being patient and you're being loving and you're being kind as a parent. You just keep pushing in and going and going again. Why? Because, because they're the good works that God has called me to walk in the good of. Every single one, if you know Jesus, you are his workmanship. You've got good works. Now walk in them. Walk in holiness. Walk in purity. Walk in love. Step out in faith. It's meant to be a bit of an adventure. 
That means Paul Mann doing stuff that he don't feel comfortable about, but because God has got good works for me, it means I need to step out my comfort zone sometimes and, and totally mess it up, but I'm his workmanship and he loves me anyway, so it doesn't really matter if I do mess it up. But, but on occasion, some wonderful stuff happens as I start talking about Jesus to people who don't know him. These are the good works that God has called us to walk in the good of. Lord, I want to ask, Lord God, that as a church, we would freshly know our identity in you, not just as a buzzword, but deep down in our hearts. Lord, I pray, Lord God, the truth of who you are and what you've done would absolutely undermine lies that we have believed for decades. We don't even realise they're lies. We are so familiar with them. We, we've lived with them. We've cohabited with these lies for years. But they're imposters. They shouldn't be there. They, needed to, they need to be evicted. I pray, Holy Spirit, even as I continue to talk now, would you highlight where the stuff that needs to be evicted from our lives? Fear. Where we're just shaped by fear. By by insecurities about our appearance and, and, and who we are. I pray, Lord God, these things would be evicted from our lives, Lord, that, you'd, that first step of us just knowing, understanding this stuff. That fear of, does anyone really like me? Am I accepted? Lord, I pray for a fresh revelation that I'm loved by the living God, the one who flung the stars into place, handpicked me before the stars were even formed to be his very own. Lord, the reality, the truth of some of this stuff penetrating our hearts in a deep, deep way. But you know, this isn't just for us. You know, if our ambition is just that we keep going deeper and deeper, we, we miss it, don't we? I don't know about you, but when Dave was talking about the Delaware Pavilion, 1,500 people gathered together, singing songs and getting caught up with this message, you think, hey, are you ambitious to see our venue in Bexhill? 1,500 people meeting inside or outside the Delaware Pavilion, worshipping Jesus and understanding what Christ has done for them out of Ephesians chapter 2, how awesome that would be. If I'm honest, I don't think I've really ever had that picture in my head. See, three years ago, um, uh, we started talking. Well, actually, three years ago, two big things happened, if you're part of King's Church. One of them, there was, was a vote on June the 23rd, 2016, <laughs> and we all know how well that's gone, don't we? If you're not quite certain, if you're a bit hazy, it was the Brexit vote. And you know how well that's gone as we've been trying to work that out. But a few months later on, um, I, I stood up on behalf of the elders and I, 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 I shared how we felt God was leading us into something new as a church. It was a change of direction. And we handed out that vision pamphlet, document, that leaflet. Um, it was to shape where we would be going and what we would be doing um, over the next uh, few years. 
and we, we had a tagline, um, not that the tagline is particularly important, but it can be helpful to sort of try and summarise in some ways. And we, we said, look, our real passion, our real desire is that we want to grow healthy church bringing the kingdom to Hastings and 1066 country. That was the sort of way that we defined it. And we said, it's not just about going broader. It's not just about, you know, all jumping in our cars and starting new things in new places. It's, it's about being healthy. It's making sure that we as a community of people are healthy in how we live and how we're doing church together. But there is also a breadth to it. There's a broadening. There's a stepping out. And we, we picked three things that, that sort of help to define health in church life. I mean, to be honest... What I've just shared on identity in Ephesians chapter 2, I mean, obviously that's a massive part of um, health. We spoke about making disciples, going on mission and care for the poor. And you may remember, if your memory is good, that last year we focused on going on mission. That was a big part of what we did. We looked at the first four chapters of Romans. Wasn't a totally enjoyable experience, if I'm honest. It's quite a challenging part of the Bible, some of the subjects and some of the bits that we looked at, but we did that to lay a foundation for why is mission so very, very important. We, um, we, we ran an alpha that went right the way across the venues, and probably, I think it's the healthiest alpha we've had um, for many, many years. We had people visiting in all of the Alphas and since then we've won, run one in St. Leonard's and we've done other bits and pieces um, as well Alpha-wise and just felt that was a really encouraging time. We had the privilege of baptising 27 people last year which again, not all of them were new first-time uh, commitments but 27 people making that decision I'm following Jesus and in some ways I don't care who knows about it, I'm going to do this as an outward demonstration of that inward work. That's good. 27, it was an encouraging thing. And we've probably seen just under 30 people responding to the gospel last year as well. From the youngest down in children right the way up to older people, we, we love anyone, we love everyone, but we love it when people respond to the gospel, however old they are, or what is going on in their lives. And, and in some ways, in my own life, I just felt I've just taken a few steps forward when it comes to mission. I've shared frequently how hard I find it, but I, I, I know I've taken a few steps forward. I'm a bit bolder. I'm a bit more on the front foot. Um, with John around, it always encourages me to be a little bit more on the front foot than I naturally am. Uh, but, but I know, and I know for many of you, with the salt and light videos and stuff like that, we've pushed forward with mission. When it comes to something like care for the poor, um, uh, I, I don't always know exactly what's going on on the ground, but some of the stories I hear, some of the stats out of food bank, was it, did you tell me on Friday that we fed 160 people the Friday before in a session? Just over 160 people fed in one, one and a half hour food bank session. I mean, the stats are mind-blowing, but then we've got, we've got, Projects that are much smaller, transforming lives for good, TLG, an education mentoring thing where someone goes in and spends an hour with, with a child that is struggling. We've probably only got a handful of people doing it. But talking to Kate Thurston, the stories, the impact it is having on those individuals is absolutely incredible. Now, we care for the poor because we're told to. We care for the poor because we love people. We care for the poor because we want everyone to come and know Jesus Christ. I mean, it's ridiculous the influence we've got when it comes to poverty at national government level. Why us? But 
And then obviously we've got the uh, community action project and the warehouse. If I'm honest, probably my biggest challenge of the last 12 months. 15 months. 15 months ago, had a gift day. You gave an incredible £120,000 to it. And ever since, it's felt a bit like we're pushing this way up a hill. Why have we done it? We've done it because we want the building to reflect the vision of the church. That's a key thing. We want to make care for the poor as efficient as we possibly can. We've had prophetic encouragement telling us that that is the way to go. Now, I know we get there. I think, I know I've stood and said some things like this before, but we think Barclays are indicating that we could be in a position to instruct a builder next week funds may be available which would be which would be incredible as as we look to just keep pushing into that area when it comes to discipleship um that's that's an area we really want to grow in it's going to be a focus over the next couple of years we don't just want it to be a program that we run we we want it to be part of our dna you know when we when we're when we're leading stuff, we're making disciples. When we're on serving teams, we're making disciples. Part of what we do in connect groups is making disciples. It's just part of who we are. And we've got some growth to do in that. We've, it's not that we're not doing it at all, but we can go further. But then there was that reaching out as well. 1,500 people in Bexhill outside the Delaware Pavilion worshipping Jesus. Well, three years ago, September 2016, we spoke about how we wanted to go a bit broader. We wanted to reach out and we said, actually, we're planning to plant a venue in Bexhill. Back then, we didn't have a meeting place. We didn't have a leadership team. We didn't know who was going to go to Bexhill. Um, we knew Steve and Laurie were going, but we didn't know if they were going on their own. <laughs> Just them. Um, we had no money to set it up. We had so many unanswered questions, but we stepped into it. 18 months ago, we planted into Bexhill And the grace of God has been absolutely wonderful how just over the last 18 months we've seen so many things happen. This is one particular family. You may have heard snippets of this family, but but they started coming. Mum started coming with two of the boys. She gave her life to Jesus, got baptised. Then one one of her sons gave her life to Jesus got baptised, wouldn't have come to Hastings, I don't think, but came to Bexhill. Um, Dad then started coming along. He recently came to know Jesus, got baptised. They've got three boys, and I think all of them have probably made some sort of confession of faith. At Ashburnham, I had the privilege of praying for Dad to be baptised in the Holy Spirit and to speak in tongues, and to lead him into that was absolutely incredible. Okay, not 1,500, but five. That's, that's what it's about. That's what we're, we're, we're doing. What about Central St. Leonard's? Well, we spoke about we wanted to reach into Central St. Leonard's three years ago, September 2016. John and Al weren't with us then. We may have had an initial conversation, but I don't think, they certainly weren't with us then. Hadn't gone very far. This last year, we've been gathering team. We've been praying monthly in Central St. Leonard's. They've had their first alpha. They've seen some people come to know Jesus. They've been baptised as well. That's just in the last year slow little steps but really really good over the next 12 months we're going to continue with all of this we've also got five pilot meetings uh, that we've sort of booked into the calendar where 
practice meetings. We're going to basically meet in central St. Leonard's. We're going to see how it goes. It gives us the opportunity to be climatised for central St. Leonard's, see what it's like, see how it's going to work. But we're going to be built on exactly the same foundations that we're built on here at King's because we've got good foundations. The grace of God, baptism in the Holy Spirit, saved by faith, are people who are generous, humble, believe the Bible, passion for prayer. Not three or four independent churches, but one church together, serving different communities, three venues. One eldership, one vision, one administrative structure, not that that's particularly interesting, but it's really, really important. Um, shared gifting, an ability to focus finance where it's most needed. Um, we believe this is what will allow us to be the most effective. Now, I suppose if I'm honest, when I look back, I think I just feel encouraged. I look at how far we've come. I, I look back and think we're on track. We've definitely done better than Brexit has. <laughs> you know, when it comes to starting new venues, though, it comes at a real cost. There, there is a financial cost, but there's an emotional one, there's a friendship one, there's a gifting one, there's, a, there's an effort one. There's, there's a lot of cost when you plant a venue. It's not easy to give birth to something like Bexhill or Central St. Leonard's. You don't just pop them out. It takes many months in the preparation and it takes a number of years in the maturing after. It's a bit like having a baby, really, planting a venue. And if after five years you've had a couple of children and, uh, do you know what I mean, they're flourishing... They're doing well. You'd look back and you'd go, that's not bad for five years, is it? You'd be going, that's all right. You probably wouldn't want to squeeze any more in, would you? Two's probably not, you know, bad. I'm thinking, I'm looking there thinking some of you, you know, may have done more. That's absolutely fine. God bless you. <laughs> I pray for the grace of God upon you. Um, but, but if in five years we're looking back and we've got a healthy Bexhill and a healthy central St. Leonard's, and we've got a health, healthy mum. We've done well. We're encouraged. God, you've blessed us in it. We are grateful. We are thankful for what you have helped us to do. We're on track. Two to three, about three years ago, we stood up linked to sharing this stuff. And we said, of course, this, this comes at a financial cost. We said, we're probably going to need three to four hundred thousand pounds in the next three to four years in order to pull this off. And then, incredibly, in 2016 and 2017, we were amazing and gave about two hundred and ten thousand pounds, which is incredible, isn't it? Two hundred and ten thousand pounds in in two years. Last year, we gave to the Community Action Project, but this year we're really we're back on track again and. The two gift days that you're going to hear a little bit more about um, when we eventually get to church news, um, they'll share a little bit more. But in reality, what are we doing? We're coming back again and we're saying, actually, to keep Bexhill going and everything that's going on in Bexhill, 
to provide the finance we need to take the next step with Central St. Leonard's, um, we, we need to go again with our giving. We're, we're still on that journey, three to 400,000 over three to four years. We're praying for God's blessing uh, and for your generation for staffing, for setup costs, for venue hire. Some of the money, some of the money um, for the venue launch is going into the, the auditorium improvements that you're going to directly benefit from as well. Um, we, we need to go again and we're asking as a, an eldership that you would prayerfully and generously consider how much can you contribute to this as we look to achieve everything that God is calling us into. As we come together, as hundreds of us have come together over the last few years, we're asking for us to come together again. Yes, when it comes to finance, but, but in many other ways as well. I mean, I don't know, but just think it through. Those first 60 people that signed up for Bex Hill, they didn't know if it was going to work or not, but, but they signed up. When the core team gathers for Central, at Central St. Leonard's, when prayer is offered up, when discipleship is occurring, stepping, pulling together. When you offer to pray for your sick neighbour, stepping right out of your comfort zone. Or actually you offer to go and do their shopping because they can't get out of the house. That's extending the kingdom. That's demonstrating something of the love of Jesus to those who don't know him. When you sign up for a connect group in the next few weeks, and although you've got lots of friends and you feel very established at King's, you sign up to a connect group because you realise that it isn't just about you, it's about what you bring to that group of people as you gather together and do life together. Providing a home for the lonely. That's extending the kingdom, that's making disciples, that's strengthening the church for us to go out. When you bring someone up the coffee box for a cup of coffee and you start talking about the church, that's extending the kingdom. The recent leadership changes that, that have occurred, you know, with the venues, that's extending the kingdom as we prepare for what God is calling us into. When you talk to a stranger in the pub, as I know one of you was telling me about recently and after about a 45 minute conversation you end up talking about Jesus that's extending the kingdom just in your everyday life in your everyday place when you sign up for a new serving team when you go and join the incredible children's work team that we've got who are doing amazing stuff even though you've not got children in the groups but you you're doing it why because you're just serving the church and you love the family of God and you just want to play your part in it that's extending the kingdom. It's seeing God's love demonstrated and showed. I, I just want to encourage you. Don't settle for where you are now. But, but set this year as being a year where, you know what? I want to grow in God. I want to go further than I've gone before. I want to step out in faith. 
I want to push into new things with God. I want to learn who I am in Christ in a deeper way. Can we just stand? I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to hand over to whoever's doing church news. So why don't we just stand? Lord God, I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness to us. Lord, I really want to pray. I really want to pray, Lord God, that, that we, re- we would know who we are in you afresh. And Holy Spirit, all through the week, you'd speak to us out of that. But I also thank you for this dear, dear church. I thank you for this adventure you've got us on. I thank you for your faithfulness over the last three years. I thank you for what you're calling us into in the future. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you please fill us afresh right now. Lord, I pray we'd go further and do more than we ever believed was possible. Lord, Bexhill might only be 120 at the moment, but oh God, what would it be like to be 1,500? All those people knowing you knowing who they are in you. We ask, would you stretch our faith, Lord God? Would you cause us to act out in love? Would you, would you shake us out of any apathy that we may have, cause us to pursue you with fresh vigour and determination? I pray for that in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.